Hi, Gavin. Hi, Louis. How are you? I'm good. I'm rested. I'm well. Oh I'm, my goodness. I'm like You're slightly tan. When you walked in, I said, I was like, Gavin? Is this, yeah. is this the Gavin? You're like, this is a whole new girl. Right. <laughs> she has her nails did, her hair is right. Oh, welcome. She doesn't look like Seal. Welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the Mixed Reviews. Today we're talking about Gina Davis. Gina Bonina Brown Davis. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, I... I gotta say, so we were doing Gina. Normally, the, like we would handle old business, where we last, you know, right. we talked about we don't have any old business. We don't have any old business because we didn't, we didn't put up a poll because our last episode was uh, best films of 2017. Correct. And, uh, we know this episode's a little late, and that's my fault. It's because uh, major life decision. I quit my job and oh I went to God. Miami for like five days. Gavin went to Miami, became a prostitute. Yes, I had to uh, beg him to come back. The preferred term is sex worker. Thank I'm you. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry, America. Wow, very good at what I do. Okay, <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Send emails at reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reviews mixed at gmail.com. for Gavin's um, rates. Hit me up. <laughs> um, I just winked when I did that, and this is an audio only podcast, right, right, so I right. hope you all enjoy that i enjoyed it um some other podcast news i guess we're doing old business uh we're finally on spotify yay so we're also on the iHeartRadio app that's where taylor swift is I yeah love her. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, she guys lives there guys that's, we are like taylor swift yeah we're just like taylor swift i don't know how that works i do not have an iHeartRadio app account but okay. if you have one you can find us there awesome so. love that um Real quick, uh, before we move into our rewind, our rewind, uh-huh. how are you, Louie? How are things? I'm good. The Oscar nominations came out a little bit ago. They did. Everything you would expect to be nominated was nominated. Right. Um, nothing for patty cakes. <laughs> Travesty. I'm genuinely shocked that there wasn't at least like an or- they original love, song. They love to give it to rap songs. Hello? Hard Out Here for a Pimp is Hello? because a woman sang it. Is That's that why. It it's because she's from Jersey. Yeah. They're, they're like, listen, if the Grammys don't have to give out awards to women, we don't either. Ah! <laughs> Clock. Drag. Um, but uh, so moving into just talking about Gina Davis, I did want to mention real quick the reason I have my phone out, uh, by the way. Uh, Gina Davis is a listener request, uh, both from our friend Dave. Yep. Uh, who's awesome and requested to be a, a guest opinion on this. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we didn't invite him. We sure did not. No. Hi, Dave. No. <laughs> um, and uh, also, weirdly enough, uh, and I was talking to her through the official Twitter account a couple months ago, Julie Benson, who is one of the co-writers of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey for DC Comics. No shit. And she's also one of the writers on CW's TV show, The 100. <gasps> and she's a huge Gina Davis fan. And I was like, we're going to do our own episode. And she was like, do it. Oh so, my God. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm nervous now. Like, I hope I can um, um give everything that she wants she needs i i love her she's a she's a great writer by the way okay. and i interviewed her back when i used to do the midtown comics podcast uh and her and her sister cuz they co-write together and they're hands down one of the sweetest and smartest and funniest interviews i've ever done so it's like very you're talking cool. about me. Oh my yeah, god. Wow. It's very cool that they that one of them listens to the show occasionally. It's awesome. awesome. Uh, so hopefully we do not do you wrong. So you're taking care of RB Warren, Gavin, so please just, like, elucidate, inform, um, take me there. Excellent. So, uh, this is going to be a bit of an info dump, and I apologize, but there's a lot about Gina Davis, and most people, uh, I don't think people think about that with her, because she's not, like, a public, 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 public celebrity. Right. Um, Anymore, at least. Anymore, at least, Exactly. Um, but we she's can, so iconic. About, yeah, like, absolutely. So we can we can talk about that more towards the fast forward. But I but I just in the rewind. Uh, born Victoria Elizabeth Gina 
Davis. Uh, Wait, so Gina is just a nickname? Yes. Oh, cool. Um, she was born on January 21st, uh, 1956, which means she's 62 years old, which is amazing because she looks like she's, what, 48? Right. Like, she looks amazing. A- amazing. She was born in Wareham, Massachusetts. Her mother, Lucille, was a teacher's assistant, and her father, William F. Dav- uh, Davis, was a civil engineer and a church deacon. Ooh. Um, she has a brother named Dan. Anyways. Um... <laughs> She played both the flute and the organ since childhood, even oh playing the organ at her local church. Oh my god, what a nerd, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she attended Wareham High School, um, and she was an exchange student to uh, Sandviken, Sweden. And Sandviken, she, Sweden? Yeah, and she speaks fluent Swedish. Good Queen. For her. It was uh, unusual in many ways. Um, the day after I got there, more or less, uh, I went to the school, to the high school, Swedish high school, and... It was in Swedish. I have a feeling you learned Swedish. I did. I did. Can you still speak Swedish? Yes, yes. Fluently? Fluently, yes. yes. I'd give well, the world to hear you speak Swedish. Ha! <laughs> ha is, is English too, you <laughs> Can you say something to me? I just love, I love yeah, the sound of Swedish. I mean, you can. It was so long since I came to hear something. What did you say? I said, I can't speak Swedish anymore. It was so long ago, I don't remember anything. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in drama from Boston University in 1979. Um, she is possibly a former member of Mensa. She's mentioned she's a member of Mensa before. No one knows if she's kept up with her dues. Okay, yeah. Uh, Mensa, if you don't know, most people that are in Mensa are very happy to tell you. <laughs> um, they, they are an organization that is the top 2% of intelligence in the world. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, her first job following her education, and this is the craziest thing, she was a window mannequin for Ann Taylor. Oh, I believe it 10,000%. Yes. She looks like an, an actual model. Yeah, well, then she became a an model. actual model. Yeah, working for the Zoli Modeling Agency in New York How City. How tall is she? Do we have information on her? Oh, hand? I don't actually. Because she's a giant human she being. She is so tall. And when you see in those early movies, like in Tootsie, yeah. um, she is just like the tallest, most statuesque, skinny. Like itty yeah. bitty. Oh my god, how skinny she is! She's so skinny, skinny, but also her hair is so large. <laughs> she uh, Tootsie was her first film role for Sidney Pollock. It was 1982. She plays a soap opera actress and in, in, in a very throwaway role. Yeah, good for her. Um, following that, she did a ton of TV. She did um, uh, a short-lived television series called Buffalo Bill, Bill with Dabney Coleman, and then she did a bunch of guest uh, appearances. Oh, I should mention about Buffalo Bill. She wrote one of the episodes, oh, which cool. is really uncommon for an actress starting out. Yeah, that's wild. Um, was she not a Knight Rider? Yes, she was a Knight Rider. She did an episode of Knight Rider. She did uh, three episodes of Family Ties. Um, and then she eventually got her own TV series in the late 80s called Sarah, which co-starred a lot of very famous people who at the time were not, who were also starting out. Um, that list includes Alfred Woodard. Oh, wow. Bill Maher. Wow. And Bronson Pinchot of Perfect Strangers. Of course, of Cousin course. Cousin Yes, yes. Um, then after that... Back to films, Fletch, The Fly, Beetlejuice, and finally getting a supporting actress nod for The Accidental Tourist in 1988. Uh, she got a Best Actress nomination for Thelma Louise in 1991. She won. Yeah, she won for The Accidental Tourist. Right. Yes, yeah. Uh, she, I believe it was just a nomination for Thelma Louise. Yeah, she did not win for Thelma Louise. No. Um, and she's has two Golden Globes, I believe, and I have that information. Right, she was nominated for um, A League of Their Own. Yes. And um, what else? What could... the uh... Let's see, she... Maybe she got one for Thelma and Louise. I think Thelma and Louise was the... Uh, yeah. In the 90s, she was in, like, two movies a year. 
It was absolutely, insane. absolutely. She so a league of their own is a really interesting case because she replaced Deborah Winger very late in the game, and um, she is both incredibly intelligent, as we mentioned, the Mensa thing, but also incredibly athletic. One of the interesting facts I learned about a league of their own was the cast uh, had been learning the sport for months. And she started a week before filming. She was cast in the role that Deborah Winger vacated. And by the end of that week, she was regularly uh, playing the game expertly and beating the rest, of, the, rest yeah. of the other players. Except for the other two best players on the team were Lori Petty, who plays her sister, and Rosie O'Donnell. And Rosie O'Donnell could actually throw two balls at once with accuracy. Damn, Rosie! Yeah, I know. I did not know that. Better not piss her off, President Trump. Hello. Um, She'll throw some balls at you. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and she has bigger ones than you do. Damn. Um, burn, Gavin. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> take that, Mr. President. Um, she has been married four times. Four times. Um, she was previously married to, uh, Richard Amolio. It was lasted a year from 1982 to 1983. She was married to actor Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, daddy. Um, 87 to 89. Um, they did three films together. Transylvania 65,000, The Fly, and Earth Girls Arena. Yeah. Easy. And Rennie Harlan from 93 to 98, who directed her in Cutthroat Island and Long Kiss Goodnight. Gina, how did, how did this project come to you? Well, I happened to be married to the director and it came Rather easily, in fact. Uh, actually, Rennie had been developing this this project for a while before before we met, uh, but then it it actually started all coming together and happening. And there was this part for a female pirate, and uh, it all worked out. It's wonderful, actually. We really we love being together. We love working together, and we both really love the movie. So it was it was actually really inspiring to be able to to work hard on something together and and, and uh, be together all the time. She's currently married to Reza Jahari, and she married him in 2001. Yeah, and um, I was, like, reading up all on the scandal, because her and Jeff yeah. Goldblum was, like, very hot and, like, gossip. I um, mean, they are very hot. They are very hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you've seen The Fly, <laughs> they are hot. Um, but I was reading, like, and uh, there was, like, an article that was, like, basically implied that even after they broke up, that they were still, like, kind of fucking around, swinging, just, like... Being sexy young actors, God, in the I 90s. wish. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, tell me more, <laughs> dear Penthouse." I never thought this would happen. To me. Right. Um, I'm in a bedroom with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> they, uh, she has three children with her current husband, uh, Eliza Keshner Jahari, and fraternal twin sons Kian William Jahari and Kaya Stephen Jahari. She's a huge supporter of the Women's Sports Foundation and an advocate for. Title IX, an act of Congress focusing on equality in sports and opportunities, now expanded to prohibit gender discrimination in the United States educational institution. Um, in 1999, this is one of my favorite fun facts. You know how I was mentioned she was sporty and right. with baseball? Right. Uh, Davis was one of 300 women who vied for a semifinals berth in the U.S. Olympic archery team yes, yes, to participate yes. in the Sydney 2000 Summer Olympics. She placed 24th. Woo! of 300 and did not qualify for the team, but participated as a wild card entry in the Sydney International Golden Arrow competition. In August 99, Davis then stated that she was not an athlete growing up and that her introduction to archery was in 1997, two years before her tryouts. Katniss who? Yeah. Who? You're, you're an Olympic athlete. I mean, you're an archer. You, I mean, you're, you're nearly. You're, yeah. You're, yeah, but, but still, you're, you're, you're world class. Uh, did, did, watching you play in this game, did you, did you have some skills playing? I didn't know how to play baseball or any sport. Really? When I took this up. 
What? And all, I, you know, I was the tallest kid in class in high school and uh, was very self-conscious, fervently wished that I took up less space in the world. And I didn't play any sport. They were constantly begging me to join the basketball team. And I was like, I can't play. And they said, just stand there. <laughs> and then in two years, being able to like qualify to even try out for the Olympics. Yeah. Disgusting. I know. Amazing. I, uh, yeah, I can't get up your steps without being winded. I have no idea how this right. person is a human. Uh, she's not a human. She's not. <laughs> um, the uh, my other big favorite thing before we move into her acting. Um, well, she's done two other. T- I guess I should mention she's done two other TV shows. She had uh, sitcom and the the Gina Davis show, the Gina Davis show, and she also had uh, Commander in Commander in Chief, in which she played the president, which was on when I was in college, and she won a Golden Globe for yeah. her role. Still not enough to keep it on with the ratings, but she played the first woman president. Yeah, I think like. I read something that there was some also politics at ABC about what they wanted to do with the show. And yeah, um, I'm sure Gina Davis was like, I'm Gina Davis. <laughs> so I know we don't talk about TV that much on this, but I watched one of the episodes of the sitcom. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, she is better things to do. Than okay. Be stuck in that sitcom. Good, good, good. Um, though I will admit the guest star in that episode was Katie Seagal of Weird with Children Love fame and uh, Futurama. And I'm a huge Katie Seagal fan. I know everybody nowadays, I guess everybody would be like, oh, Katie Seagal, um, what's the Sons of Anarchy? Sons of Anarchy, yeah. but no. Nah, She's so serious. I can't be bothered. <laughs> um, You're like, um, that sounds too spooky. <laughs> anarchy? <laughs> no, thank um, you. My other favorite thing outside of her acting, though, is uh, how much of an advocate for women and how much she is uh, involved in charities. In 2004, watching children's television programs and videos with her daughter, Davis noticed an imbalance in the ratio to male to female characters. Davis went on to sponsor the largest research project ever undertaken on gender and children's entertainment, resulting in four discrete studies, including one in children's television, at the Annenberg School for Communication and the University of Southern California. The study directed by Dr. Stacy Smith showed that there were nearly three males to every one female character in the nearly 400 G, PG, PG-13, and R-rated movies the undergraduate teams of Vandenberg students analyzed. I didn't intend to take it this far to you know, launch an institute and all this, but uh, I found that nobody else was noticing. And in fact, when I asked people within the industry uh, what they thought about it, they all said, every single person I asked said, that's not a problem anymore. That's been fixed. So I realized this is something people really aren't seeing because I didn't expect to find it in kids' entertainment either. I assumed, well, things are messed up in general, but I'm sure they put a lot of thought into kids' media. But uh, it wasn't the case. So that's why I ended up sponsoring now the largest amount of research ever done on gender depictions in media, uh, covering over a 20-year span. And uh, that no one had done research at all on the subject before, which also shows that people weren't thinking about it. In GPG and PG-13 films, for every one female-speaking character, there are three male characters. If you look at the crowd scenes and group scenes, both in live action and animated, uh, there's only 17% female characters. 17%. So in the fictitious worlds that are being created for them, whether it's an outer space colony or an undersea world or a magical kingdom, the population is only about 17% women. So what message is that sending to boys and girls from the beginning if the female characters simply aren't there? And forget about uh, the fact that they're also, our research showed, highly 
stereotyped, uh, uh, hypersexualized very, very often, even in G-rated movies, and uh, have very few occupations and aspirations beyond finding romance. In 2005, Gina teamed with the nonprofit group Dads and Daughters to launch a venture dedicated to balancing the number of male to female characters in children's television and movie programming. Davis, Davis launched the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media in 2007. The Institute's first focus was an on the ground program that works collaboratively, I can't speak, that works collaboratively with the entertainment industry to dramatically increase the presence of female characters in media aimed at children and to reduce stereotyping of females by the male dominated industry. For her work in this field, she received an honorary Doctor of Fine Arts degree from Bates College in 2009. That's awesome. In uh, 2011, Davis became one of the handful of celebrities attached to USAID and Ad Council's FWD campaign, an awareness initiative tied to the year's East Africa drought. In 2015, Davis launched an annual film festival to be held in Bentonville, Arkansas, to highlight diversity in film, accepting films that prominently feature minorities and women in the cast and crew. The Benton film, Bentonville Film Festival took place from May 5th to 9th in 2015 and began accepting sus- submissions in January 15th. Yeah, I love that it's... Bentonville. Yeah. Also, the prize for this um, film festival is guaranteed distribution. It's a, a, it's a, a really festival. beautiful little town in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it, the whole purpose of it is to champion uh, women and diverse voices in all kinds of media, actually, mm-hmm. and, and we have the film festival. And we're the only one, the interesting thing is, we're the only film festival in the world that awards guaranteed distribution to the winners. So they'll be in theaters, on TV, uh, and digital, and uh, DVDs. I mean, most of the times you get, like, a grant or some sort of prize or maybe a fucking trophy. Right. But, like, distribution? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. And I love that she decided to do it in Arkansas. Yeah. Like, that, I, I mean, it would have been so easy to be like, okay, we're doing this big thing in L.A. or this big thing in New York. And she decided, you know, like, we're going to go to places where... Um, maybe they're not as no- well known for their like contributions to the arts, um, but I'm sure like Bentonville is um, benefiting so much from this, you know, uh, film festival. Um, and yeah, I think she's fucking cool. Yeah, and I, the fact that she's doing so much to advance diversity of, of women in films and to make sure that you know it's it's sort of like we joke, uh, you know, anybody that's a film fan jokes about the the Bechtel test, or maybe yeah. not even jokes about the Bechtel test, but talks about it. Yeah, about how. A film can pass or fail a Bechdel test by having two women speak to each other in a movie, not about a man. And, you know, she's putting truth to power by being like, I want to make sure yeah. that there's women in films who are being represented, who are not stereotypes, who are not talking about right. a man, who are living their lives and fulfilling their dreams in a realistic way that doesn't, you know, make people think that women are just there as sex objects or saviors. Right. And I think also what's really interesting about her is, She's not just, like, crying about it. She's like, okay, I'm going to get the data together, and then we're going to go to companies and say, like, look, this is the data. This is the truth. And I think also one of the big studies she did was proving that um, movies that feature prominently m- minorities and women, they make more money than other movies do. And so yeah. she has all this, like, she's like, receipts? Here they are. Exactly. She has proof and everything. And just, I don't know, it's really cool to be able to... To have somebody that has this ability to uh, get her voice out there actually, you know, speak truth to power. Yeah. She's even received a $1.2 million grant from Google, which the Institute used to develop the Gina Davis Inclusion Quotient. What's going to happen to her? Software that tracks the number of times a woman appears on screen and how many lines she has. One really interesting thing they found early on, which nobody was looking for, 
was that female characters are on screen less when they're talking. In other words, they're cutting to something else. When a movie has a male lead, the guys usually have triple the screen time and triple the lines. When a movie has a female lead, men and women usually appear the same amount of times and have the same number of lines. I have to reach everybody involved in a production in order to to try to fix this. But what I do say is make whatever you're already going to make. Don't add a message, don't do anything else except before you shoot it, just uh, go through the script and change a bunch of first names to female. And uh, where it says a crowd gathers, just add comma, which is half female. In 2015, films featuring a female lead did better at the box office, grossing 15.8% more than films that feature a male lead. Yet women comprised only 17% of protagonists featured in the biggest movies of the year. And while we're all aware that women aren't offered enough compelling parts in TV and film, the Institute's data is the first comprehensive study to show just how far they have to go. You know, I I always say it's the one sector of society with big imbalance that can change overnight. I think I've latched onto something that's incredibly doable. And once I prove it with the data, people are so inclined to act on it because they didn't know. So I'm happy she was suggested because, you know, she do- she doesn't have a movie coming out this week. You know, yeah. we, sometimes we do that. We do more people who are in the news at the moment. Gina Davis is not. And she hasn't really, career-wise, been in the news in a while. She still does movies. She still does TV shows. Right. She was on, what, Grey's Anatomy in 2014. She was. She's she, on The Exorcist right now. She's on the, well, she was on The Exorcist. Is that over? The, she was on the first season only. Wow. So she was I don't on really the, watch that. Yeah, it's great. Well, the first season one. I haven't finished the second season. I'll get around to it at some point. John Cho's on it. He's adorable. Oh. Anyways, uh, but uh, yeah, she was on the first season of The Exorcist. She had a film come out this past year, Marjorie Prime. So, like, she's still working. She's still doing whatever yeah. she wants. But uh, but it is cool that she has this status and she can do that. Plus, she keeps showing up at every award show with, I know everybody's kind of upset at Susan Sarandon because the whole political thing, we're not getting into that. But they've been showing up together because of Thelma and Louise. Yeah. So it's cool to see them. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And she looks fantastic. She yeah. looked amazing at the Golden Globes. Yeah. So. I love her so much. Yeah. Me too. Um, Should we get into our picks? We should. Okay. Our one-star reviews. One-star reviews. She's been in a lot of good movies. Yes. She has also been in a lot of not great movies. <clears throat> I have to agree. Um, and I think there's... I have to make the distinction that she's been in some like not good movies that are like batshit bananas that are yeah. still entertaining. Um, but then there's also like bad movies that I was like, this is boring! <laughs> um, and I just have to say that... like I, I'm a cliche, but Cutthroat Island is just... That's that's one hundred percent the thing about Cut. So I had never seen Cutthroat Island Me either. I was shocked at how boring it was. I was shocked, like because it has this reputation of the famous thing about Cutthroat Island. As we mentioned before, she made it with her husband, Rennie Harlan, right? Um, who was the director at the time, and uh, it was a notorious flop. It made one tenth of its budget back. It was a hundred million dollar film. Yeah. It made. Uh, the, thing, the thing I'll say is it looks expensive. Yes. It looks very expensive. The, the film itself, like, Rennie Harlan's direction is not even the problem necessarily. No, it's just like, what, so the, what I read was she and her husband 
wanted to launch this like action star for i mean they wanted to prove that women could be action stars right in the middle of the 90s and this is a time when you know all these buddy cop movies were coming out and it's like action explosions like adventure blah blah blah. but it was all men and so gina davis said i can do that and her husband was like yes let's do that uh, and so they got money together and they decided to make this and the long kiss goodnight yeah um which is like similar in that it's like batshit crazy but it's not boring it's, it's yeah it's entertaining no, no. it's entertaining i would actually say like everything about long kiss goodnight is like improved except for the direct i would say the direction is maybe the issue in long kiss goodnight yeah the cutthroat island is i mean so cutthroat island is about um a female pirate um her name is morgan adams yes and but, the, but like a lot of her pirate friends call her morgan yes i also loved uh, like the first, like one of the first things that happened in the movie, and maybe the like grossest thing that occurs in the entire movie, and so it's weird that it happens right off the bat. Her father dies. Yeah, he has a treasure map on his, like tattooed on his head, and she has to scalp him. Yeah, yeah. It's so this movie is uh, she is like a pirate of the sea. Her father dies, and so she inherits this m- treasure map, and she's like, I gotta find it. And so she takes over the entire ship, and she has to be like tough girl yeah guys it's fine like i'm the i i'm the captain now like it is very that and it's cool um except when you realize she's the only woman right out of all of them also she's basically the only woman in the movie truly truly um and essentially like her uncle has a part of the map the other uncle has a part of the map right um and they're all trying to get these Pieces of the map together to go find Cutthroat Island and get right. this treasure. Uh, Matthew Modine is in this movie. Matthew Modine, a ninety and a, a seasoned in nineteen ninety five. Matthew Modine, right, which is right. when the movie came out. He, I mean, he's the to me. He felt like the only person really having fun. Right. Yeah. Like I think a, a big part of some of her movies that she is in. I don't know if like either her or the director or anyone knows what yeah. they're doing. Like. Is this campy, or are we playing it straight, right, or right. are we like? Well, that's the other. Like she, it see, and it's a really bad script as well, too. Oh I do God. not want to give any credit to the script of Cuthbert Island. She seemed genuinely uncomfortable delivering some of the lines, and she, well, and as you mentioned, she doesn't seem to know how to play it either. Right. I have it on authority that you are fluent in Latin. Ah, Latin, the Romance language. I can speak Latin like I was born in the ancient Senate. A regular Cicero. Why do you have children who wish to learn? I'd make a first-class teacher in a tasteful country house. I can do most arithmetic, though I do confess to a weakness in long division. Stop your chatter and say something Latinish. What did you say? You're a very beautiful woman. I'd like to wash your feet. You like to wash things, do you? Start with your mouth. It's like, is she doing sexy? Is she doing camp? Yeah, like, I mean, she... but like, because I think this movie wants to do two things. I think she and her husband want this to be empowerment, women, right. but the script is so gross, yeah. and it's like, her boobs are falling out all over the place, which is fine, but like, she there's a lot of jokes at the expense of women, right. and like, at... At like, oh, ho, ho, like, I got, look, look, I got your balls. Like, right. silly things that are just, like, not, it is not empowering. No. Um, no. And so, and, and I bet you a lot of people on that movie, th- they, like, pat themselves on the back for what they were doing. But, like, it's it's not the team. Right. Like, and and I, I will be perfectly honest. The, the reason it ended up costing so much was 
I want to say at least 80% Rennie Harlan's fault because they were taking so much time doing other things that they built a set without his approval. And he, when he showed up, he was like, tear it all down. I want it rebuilt. Jesus. And so like, yeah, I mean, it's not like it was a, it was a box office bomb, not because of her, but I do think her career suffered because of it. For sure. For sure. Um, And I think like when you watch the movie, it's like, there's, huge ships and right. like luscious islands and there's big fight scenes that are very whatever like yeah. also like the they have a bunch of like um like one-liners that just like don't land yeah you know like there's like i mean they're painful the one-liners yeah i mean there's like the sexual tension between her and matthew modine i will say this right now there are only like her and jeff goldblum their chemistry is incredible yeah. and they did they did three movies together yeah. so it can't even be disputed anywhere else when there's like a romantic person involved i'm like huh I felt I felt more heat with her and Bill Pullman in the one scene Ten in the Link of the Road that I did yes. between her and Matthew Modi. Yes, yes, because I mean, all, another movie that worked, uh, she did um, Speechless with yeah. um, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah. Who, they worked together on Beetlejuice. Yeah, and in this movie, I was like, I did not believe for one second <laughs> that Gina Davis wants to make out with Michael Keaton. Yeah, or absolutely anyone. not. Um, <laughs> truly. Um, oh, she also did um, Hero, which is not a good movie. No, but um, what's the name of that uh, Latino actor who's uh, Garcia? Um, Godfather and Andy, Andy Garcia. Garcia. Andy Garcia. I will give him. I mean, he's just a very sexual man. Yeah, and yeah. So I, I, him and her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, she has a very specific energy, and I don't think a lot of men um, can like yeah. m- m- match her. That's another. That's another. Hero is another movie that's like incredibly poorly directed in terms of the acting because right. there's one per it's so funny not to get off track but the the movie hero has one person that really knows what they're doing which is chevy chase and, oh, 10, and, and he couldn't be credited on the film because he was under contract with columbia pictures at the time and they loaned him out which is something i didn't know was happening in the 90s yeah, i thought that was like wild. studio system but no he was under contract with another and he, like Hero is written to be like a Preston Sturges, like 1940s, um, like really uh, fast talking, like His Girl Friday almost type thing. And the only person who gets that, like everybody, well, and also just don't cast Dustin Hoffman in that type of movie. God, just don't. Um, yeah, Chevy Chase. We had to sit through two Dustin Hoffman movies. We love you, audience. Liter- I just want literally, to- all I wrote down for Tootsie was, why do people like Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> This is new. This is new. <laughs> um, I Dustin, it. Dustin Hoffman, just like, I don't find him charming. I don't like, like him at all. I, I, I'm not here for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, uh, my pick is Cutthroat Island and it, it, it's uh, a shame because it did hurt her career and, um, uh, you know, that was at the, towards the end of the 90s. I think she had built up a lot of like clout in her career and she yeah. could do a lot of whatever she wanted. And well, I mean, That is the, you know, that is the time and place in which she did, like, what people consider her best work. Thelma and Louise, like, League of Their Own. And so, yeah, you get the the end of the 90s and it's a little less. Yeah, those two movies really hurt her Long Kiss Goodnight and Cutthroat Island. And it's not that Long Kiss Goodnight is bad. It just ended up being a box office bomb. And Shane Black, who has his own... I. You know, I've always liked Shane Black, and then I read a bunch of the interviews he did during Long Kiss Goodnight, and I was like, oh. Is this Shane Black who did, like, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Iron Man 3, and Wild. Lethal Weapon. Wild. So he wrote the script, and he really blamed Cutthroat Island for, for Long Kiss Goodnight's failure, yeah. Um, he I al- mean... But he also, said, he also said a bunch of other, like, shitty shit, and also, the like, Rennie Harlan and Gina Davis made some good cuts to Long Kiss Goodnight, because in the original script... 
apparently there was a subplot about Samuel Jackson. Like, he has a wife and a kid, and in the original script, he couldn't see his kid because he'd been to prison, and he was raped in prison, and his oh wife didn't God. want that son around Ugh. that. Yeah, and it's just like, Shane Black, you have some issues. The longest good night, there's a lot of aggressive, um, like, should we do a She Said That moment right yes. now? For that? Okay, she said what? She said what? <laughs> Um, and that's from the longest good longest good night, and it's not from uh, Gina, right? Um, it's a Samuel Jackson Samuel line, Jackson. and only he could deliver this line. Um, and I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, let's just roll the clip. See, you're assuming I won't shoot your sorry ass, and everyone knows when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and umption. Now I'm Sergeant Madigan Vice, and if you do cop a two jerk off, I will see to it you spend the next ten years in prison getting ass fucked. And if the case is thrown out because my arrest was too violent. I will personally hire men to ass-fuck you for the next 10 years. So if you're an ass-fucking fan, you go ahead and mouth off. Meanwhile, you're under arrest for the crime of prostitution. This movie is insane, yeah. but why don't we talk about your um, yes. uh, one-star review? So I feel, <laughs> I feel a little bad giving it to this movie because she's in it so little, but this movie was such a pain in the ass to watch. Uh, it's a film that used to be on Comedy Central all the time as a kid, so I assumed that it was a funny movie. Okay. Um, it is not. It is a little film from 1985, so it's early in her career, called Transylvania 6-5000. I didn't watch that one. Yeah, you saved yourself some time. Okay. Um, okay, good. I, I figured, like, those. she wasn't in... The funny thing is, is, she's not necessarily in Transylvania 65000 a lot, but it is like one of the early defining roles, because when I think of Gina Davis, I think of her in her costume for that film. It's this very, like, skimpy Dracula-esque, oh, like... I have seen that yeah. photo. It's like a very low cut, and it's like shoulders. Yeah. Okay. And so Transylvania 65000 is a, a movie about uh, two people that uh, Jeff Goldblum and Ed Begley Jr. work for this Weekly World News-esque newspaper. Uh, Jeff Goldblum wants to do more like straight news stories and Ed Begley Jr. is an idiot. And they go to Transylvania to uh, try and capture footage of a Frankenstein monster and they end up meeting all these monsters and then you find out that none of them are monsters at all. Um, but the it's a quote-unquote comedy um <laughs> allegedly it's, it's yeah it's clearly um heavily improvised in fact there's one scene where the the script direction was uh that two characters played by john burner and carol kane uh cut fruit and serve and like that scene goes on for like 10 minutes because they're improvising and admittedly it's funny because they're funny people but, like, it's one of the few moments in the film where that works. So it seems like every scene probably had that sort of direction. And serve. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis met each other on this film, but she's not even his love interest. She's at Bigley Jr.'s love interest. Um, the film was originally written for Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari, who are in the TV show Bosom Buddies at the time. Huh. And uh, the production company wouldn't put up the money because they had never heard of Tom Hanks. Right. A, a nobody. Yeah, a, a nobody. A simpleton. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, he missed out. Right. Um, the craziest thing about this movie is the movie was financed by the Dow Chemical Company in order oh to God. spend, quote, frozen finances, money that couldn't be spent outside the country of origin. And that company had it in Yugoslavia, which is where they shot the film. I, this um, is, like, seriously some fucking... Yeah, it's it basically sounds like tax evasion, the film. Literally. Um, this is, like, a B-plot from, a, like, a bad, like, movie for bad guys. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's basically the plot of the movie, of the, of the movie The Producers, where they're like, literally. we can make more money with a bomb than with a hit. Um, <laughs> right, right. The, uh, but yeah and it got Gina her start <laughs> it, it did um, but it it just pains me because there's so many other people in it um, th that like are really well known uh, as I mentioned before 
Carol Kane is in it, um, doing her damnedest to find comedy. Where <laughs> Jeffrey Jones, who it turns out is a child molester, so we don't like him anymore. Okay. But you'll know him from Beetlejuice, and he's the principal from Ferris Bueller. Is he the... Oh, He's the, oh, fa- the father the from... Father from you. I didn't know any of those things. God yeah, damn. yeah. And uh, Michael Richards of Seinfeld fame really? is in it doing the the most unfunny shtick ever, Ugh. where he's just like making faces and mugging for the camera. Uh, Gina's character appears maybe four times in the movie. She thinks she's a vampire, and literally her she thinks that she has to dress as a vampire to be interesting because she's hideous. But the main doctor in the movie has already given her plastic surgery and she doesn't know she's beautiful. So also, it's a really what? shitty representation of women. Because you're not a vampire. I know. But it gets me attention. You don't need that kind of attention. Yes, I do. I'm ugly. How can you say that? You're gorgeous. Look at my nose. Your nose is perfect. Psst. I gave her a nose job. You are beautiful. Oh, I'm not. You are. They're reaching your honor. Yes. And um, it just makes me sad that this movie exists. Exists. And uh, I I was really bummed because I I was like, I was like, oh, I get to watch this movie. I genuinely, I remember being on Comedy Central all the time as a kid. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's a disaster. Um, That's why I wanted to watch Tootsie. Honestly, I was like, oh, I've never watched it. Oh, yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah, she looks amazing. She's got her, she's got her. Tits out for the boys. Tits out for the boys. And, uh, she's Which got are, a cape, and she's—I mean, she's gorgeous in the film. But it's just—does the movie know that it's like it's? I mean, Jeff Goldblum clearly knows. Okay, good. Like Jeff Goldblum is literally just like I'm here to cash a check, right? Right. And like, admittedly, he met Gina Davis, and she was looking like this the whole time. Hello. So like, I I get it. I, I get you're it. Slinging for banging. Okay. Yeah. Like also, famously, the movie had uh, one of the best. Uh, and quickest reviews on TV. The quickest review, like, did uh, Ebert was like, it's bad, <laughs> essentially. So, uh, it, Leonard Malton reviewing the film for Entertainment Tonight gave it the shortest review ever. What they did is they played the Glenn Miller song Pennsylvania Six Five Thousand, uh-huh. and when it gets to the point where they say Pennsylvania Six Five Thousand, he just turned to the camera and said, "Transylvania Six Five Thousand stunk." I'm Leonard Malton. <laughs> Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> Um, so yeah, her mom, you sassy sphinx. When he when he was asked about it later, he was like, "That review still holds up." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "What is the question?" I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I get it. Everybody does shit early in their careers. Right. I I don't want to begrudge her, uh, but yeah, the it's real not good, and I wouldn't waste your time. I and mean, it's not my job to tell you not to watch something, <laughs> but like, you could literally do anything else, with right? Time. I mean, and so I think what's funny, and I guess we can talk about other movies that aren't so great. Yes. Movies, like, so Earth Girls Are Easy is, like, a really funny if movie. you say something bad about Earth Girls not, Are Easy, I'm leaving this apartment. What I'm saying is this movie knows what it is. Yes. It is aware. Appar- and Apparently it was much longer than the original cut. And they, like, removed a bunch of stuff and they put in the beach song. The, like, uh, the, I'm, the... I'm Blonde. I'm Blonde, which is my favorite thing uh. in the world. Um, they, I made this on Broadway stat. Okay? Yeah, they tried. They tried <laughs> right before September 11th. Oh, and then, yeah, the terrorist one. You know who played Gina Davis's role in the workshop of it? Gina Davis? No, <laughs> that, I would have. I would have loved that. Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, hey, Chen, I was like, she would have killed it. Yeah, she would have killed it. Um, but like, so this movie is very dumb yes. and silly. But like, it knows it. And Jeff Goldblum and uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, and, and Damon Wayans. Wayans. Like, 
trifecta of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Julie Brown. Yes. Who, like, the movie is written based off her song, Earth Girls Are Easy. It's, That's it. That was the plot of the movie. Yeah, it, she wrote a song called that, and they... <laughs> it looks stupid. Yeah. It is stupid. The songs are amazing and yeah. stupid. Um, but you get to hear Gina sing, which yeah. is very rare. Yeah. And and Gina is, like, serving body yada yada. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I mean, it's definitely objectifying her. Yes. But she's but, in on the joke. Yes, I was gonna say, it's, yeah, it's an objectification that she is aware of. Right. And it's funny because I would actually like to bring up a film that... Um, that apparently everybody loved that I hated. So 1988, she wins an Academy Award for The Accidental Tourist. Yeah. The Accidental Tourist is a garage. I know why everyone loved it at the time. I mentioned it's 1988. All critics, essentially all critics, except for maybe Pauline Kael at the time, were male. And it is one of those fucking boring melodramas about a guy who's broken and someone's going to fix him. And the the quirky dream girl's going to come in and, like, fix him. And in the end, he's going to realize she's the one for him because she's, like, it's one of those movies that's filled with impossibly quirky characters. He, like, he's a man whose child is shot in a robbery, shot in the head. Yeah. And his wife, who's played by um, Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Leaves him at the beginning um, he moves in, he moves back home with his brother and brother, sister, brother, two brothers and sister, one of his brothers being Ed Begley Jr. again. Um, and his boss, Bill Pullman, starts to have a relationship with his sister. And like his, the rest of his family is really quirky. And he and writes he, travel guides. Yes, yeah, called The Accidental Tourist for people who hate travel. Yeah, it's all, I mean, it's very up in the air. It's very yeah. like, you know, don't be too messy. Don't take right. anything. Don't yeah. be messy. Like, uh, it's has, like very on the nose. He has a dog who's a complete asshole. The dog sucks. Yeah, and he he brings him to like a kennel type place to to board him while he uh, is away for a bit writing uh, one of his travel books. And he meets Gina Davis, and Gina Davis is like hardcore pursuit. She's like, "Here's my number. If you ever oh, need anything, well, maybe. Oh, I'll call you later." Yeah. Like, and she's quirky as fuck she's for very no reason. Quirky. Tell you what, maybe I could just come around and discuss it. Well, I don't really think... Or you could come to my place. I'd fix your supper. Make him. What do you say? I think for now I'll just try to manage on my own. Well, I can understand that. Believe me, I've been through that stage. So what I'll do is, I'll wait for you to get in touch. Yes, that would be good. Goodbye. He, like, looks like he's wearing very sad sweaters. Right. And she's, like, wearing, like, scrunchies. Right. Like, pu- purple tops. And, there, and there's nothing between them that makes me say, like, wow, she really likes... Yeah, she would, go, she would get into him. He's, like, the most dour person. Yes. Literally, Gavin, what I wrote down. The Accidental Tourist, 1998. Oscar. But oh, why? Yes. <laughs> and she... I, I'll give her this. She's really good in the movie. She's great at playing this very one-note character. But... She's like she's playing it kind of like Aspergersy. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. It's very like oh well, that's fine, but okay, like I'll be back though, and like we're friends, okay. Like, <laughs> ugh, like it's very crazy, like teetering on the edge of like Aspergers, and like I'm sorry if that's offensive, but it's just like there's no, no reason she, why she, she would does, be this way. She does seem to be on the spectrum, and she only seems to be on the spectrum because the plot wants her to be, not because she is in any way, shape, or form. I have to say, the, one of the most offensive scenes comes late in the game after he's left her to go back to his wife right, before he right. realizes he has nothing in common with his wife. Also, I fucking love Kathleen Turner. Why did she take this nothing role? <laughs> this role was it's absolutely... Gar- yeah, absolutely. 
there's a scene because he's a writer where he imagines Gina Davis talking to him and she has to deliver the worst line in the movie. And she says to him, you're really going to do this? Just use people until you're done with them? Is that what I am to you? Just some sort of bottle of something that you can use until it's gone? Yeah. Bottle of something. I hate this movie. Genuinely, I have no... This was nominated for Best Picture. I didn't... I wasn't as offended as you were, but I was definitely, like, bored. I was like... (laughs) The last thing I want to mention is, did you... You watched Angie. Yes. Which came out in 1994. Yes. Um, Based on the book, Angie, I says... um, I watched... This was maybe the last thing I watched, and she looks great. She does. Um, She is working very hard for that accent. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Um, but anyways, go on. I mean, talk to me about like so. This Angie is about a woman in Brooklyn who her mother left her as a child. Uh, yeah, she's just like her, idealized her memory of her mother, and, right? And she's grown up with her best friend, and they're like modern women yeah. in the '90s. Um, they go into the city every day to work um, on the F train. Um, and she's been dating James Gandolfini for years since the ninth grade. Since the ninth grade, and um, she gets pregnant. And they're not married. There's a lot of things in this movie that I, were, were weird to me. Essentially, she's a free spirit and wants yeah. to. She's like, I don't want to get married anymore. And because well, she meets Stephen Rhea, who's very charming and very. Oh, really? See, I found him charming, and that's I can see it in your face. Literally, all I could think of was like. This guy looks like a fucking troll. Yeah, he's not an attractive guy, and but I do think that he, there was a quality about him. They do have, like, some chemistry. I'll give yeah. him that. But, like... And it, and he, like, in context of the... I, I ended up... Angie was a total bomb for her. I ended up really liking the movie. I hate her accent. I really wish they could have let her do... Normal things. No, normal thing. Can I buy you dinner? What, are you lonely or horny? What's your problem? Huh? I'm Irish. But you often get confused for lonely and horny. He's a real nut job. But he's cute. I can't go out with you no more. We're getting married and you can't go out with me no more? Never met a woman like you. Now what is that, a crack? I've met teamsters like you. But um, I ended up being really charmed by this film. And I think part of it was is I, for some reason, really identified with this woman who like is very one way in her life. And her life has been very one way. And suddenly this element comes along that seems like shiny and new. And yeah. like like a... Like, a switch goes off and she abandons everything. Yeah. And then, like, the the part at the end, when she finally reconnects with her mother, and I don't want to say too much, but when she finds out why her mother abandoned her, and it sort of brings her back to reality, I was shocked at how sympathetically that was handled for the 90s. And it's a little extreme. but right. it's But it's definitely... It was... It was... The... The kick gloves were more on for that than I think they had been for other films at the time. What I'll say, though, is, you know, so she has... I mean, I, I was more interested in her best friend, honestly. Her best yes. friend who has a really shitty husband and has kids and is, like, yeah. struggling to, like... She wants to be a modern woman, but she is in the trappings of, like, a Catholic household right. and, you know, whatever. And they are building this world where, like, um, you know, oh, it's really... Like, Catholic things are happening. They baptize this baby... With James Gandolfini, I was like, and I turned to my friend who I saw with, and I was like, there is no way a Catholic church would have baptized this baby if they're not fucking married. Right. I was like, that's wild. Also, at the time, the baby didn't have a name. Was that someone the baby didn't yeah, have a name? Yeah, the baby didn't have a name. Also, yeah. and I thought, no. I was I was waiting for, like, the big blow up about, like, she doesn't, essentially, she's like, James Gandolfini, I want right. to go have fun. I want more out of life. And I think there's a lot of interesting things there to pursue, and I understand, but also... Um, James Gandolfini's like, oh fuck, that sucks. I guess. 
Um, and I was like, wait, and the the father character doesn't care. There's but no, I, like, but I kind of I I will like just to play devil's advocate. I did like that it was sort of against type, and it, maybe it's because we've also had twenty years on of James Gandolfini, who's first of all amazing in the film, yeah. and, and like I love James Gandolfini and everything. Um, and May she rest in peace. Yeah, I was gonna say lost him way too soon. Um, but I liked that for being the sort of tough Italian guy, he's not the stereotype. He's, he's not. way more milk toast than that. He's I, I and I don't my problem's not with him. My problem right. is with her like family. Like they're telling us that it's right. her life is a certain way and it's very rigid. But then like they give her all these like passes, which is fine, but what makes me believe that like She's not really like right. The one part where we see her yearning for more is like when she's like looking through a book and she wants to go to a museum. Right. I really didn't get the sense where she wanted like if all of her freedom she wants is to like go have sex with like an Irish dude, you know, and who turns out to be an asshole. Yeah, and I like that though. I like that he like for him it was just a game and he didn't realize yeah. like because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, and uh, and and like it totally makes sense when you like re- like think about the context of his character except for maybe the Christmas party thing which I was like why would he have fucking invited her if he felt like wasn't right and why would he have gone she's having this baby and he's like okay and he knows that she's pregnant and like you like the movie's telling you he's cool he's fine she's pregnant it's cool right and then he like goes he does the whole rigmarole of being there for the pregnancy going to the thing and then he disappears And I was like, any- I mean, maybe he got cold feet. I mean, he was a flighty person to begin with. Like, right. But yeah, we do, we my do biggest, lose him without any sort my of... My biggest flight. issue is that she comes back to Earth and like nothing has changed for her. Yes. She yeah. has the baby and she's like, you know what? My life was fine and I'm back to being boring. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And that's like a huge misstep, but that is a very 90s ending to that film. True. By the way, I do want to mention that her friend in the film went on to play... Um, James Gandolfini's sister in The Sopranos which I oh. thought was really uh, funny that it's a, like they're playing it's like everyone but Jimmy Davis in this movie is like yeah. very Jersey New yeah. York yeah they, she was she was not the most well cast and it's not because she's not giving a good performance I think she's giving a great performance I think the accent is a huge like just well, everyone not, else is just yeah. so authentically yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn and like she narrates some bits too yeah. so it really doesn't help oh my god that, that yeah. narration I don't know my mom. Like I can't even do it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was insane. Um, but enough of the bad things. Let us move on to our five star reviews. Five star reviews. I think she's done a, a lot of great yep. stuff, as you mentioned before. Um, and I mean, I think it, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing things that you could put up there. For I I think them, I've loved Thelma Louise for years. I had to watch it like at least four times in screenwriting class in college. Um, I'd seen it before then. Uh, I think that's a really fantastic movie. Beetlejuice is a classic. She's amazing in it. Yep. She's doing something she doesn't really do before. She's sort of like, um, uh, sort of a wet blanket. She normally plays these very fun, right. but she's this very practical, like very yeah. sweet character. She's playing a mom. She's and playing she, mom. She, and she's really good at it. But I think, really, and it's shocking when I found out that she was the last minute replacement, A League of Their Own. Yeah. And I think what's great about I rewatched League of Their Own movie fucking holds up. I was in fucking tears at the end of that movie. Gavin, I also chose a League of Their Own. <laughs> I think I think what it is is and I, I hadn't thought about this when I was younger. Um I think it comes out at a time there's not a ton of like female representation in films, especially there's not a lot of female filmmakers. This is yeah, a Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall, uh, who we talked about briefly yeah. back in our Halloween witches episode, because yes. she was in um, Hocus, Hocus Pocus. Uh, so with, with her brother. Yes. Which, by the way, speaking of her brother is in a league of their own. He plays the man who runs yeah. basically the MLB. But He's the, like the Wrigley character. Yeah. And um, 
uh, the original choice for that role was Christopher Walken, and he was too expensive. And oh. So she just asked her brother to do it. Right. Which love I think that. is hilarious. But I think one of the things that I love about A League of Their Own is it really is a story about sisterhood. I mean, uh, the obvious story is uh, between Gina Davis's character and Laurie Petty. Laurie Petty, yeah. Um, and... But also the sisterhood of the team, the camaraderie, the way the teams played together, uh, that, that it was more about yeah. supporting each other and everything. Kevin, that scene where the girl who can't read... Yes! I was just talking about that <laughs> earlier today! Oh my god. Like, but so, that's that's the proof, yeah. If, if you haven't seen this movie, um, there's a scene where they're all trying out and they have to go find their name to find out which team they're on or if they've been cut. Yeah. And this one girl's up there and you think she's crying because... The, the, the coach guy is like Are, did you make a team or did you yeah. not like what's the fuck like get the fuck out of here and she's just kind of like you can see like the terror on her face and another girl comes up and like is like sweetie can you read and she's like and she kind of just shakes her head and then she helps her find her name and of course she's on their team and it's just like you don't uh, it, what a beautiful simple little moment and that like really is just the proof of the entire movie it's just over and over again these women supporting each other um, and, and that's so the the point I'm making too is I I think besides that it's also a um it's like a very subversive film because if you go back and you watch the movie from our perspective now Tom Hanks is not a lead character no he's genuinely not so the really subversive thing about that is the it is there is not a film in which a, a man has a full character arc Tom uh, Tom Hanks's character arc is literally he goes from drunken mess who's a dick. To slightly nicer drunken mess. Right. Like, that's it. And there are some great scenes with him. There's a really good scene between him and Gina Davis where they talk about the team and what the team means to them and why she she wants to leave. Um, but really, it's the film about the women. Yeah. But I think his character, and I may not be right, I would love to talk to Penny Marshall about this, I think his character is there, or so prominent there, to trick the audience, at least the male portion of the audience, into believing they're watching a film about a man. Yeah. Yeah, and to think like because he's introduced as like I need one more shot. It's fine. Right. Like I give me, and then like oh no, he's stuck with the girls. Oh no, right. And at the beginning, he doesn't care. And honestly, he's only um, he starts shaping up just because he sees they're talented and that yeah. excites him. It's he's excited to like oh competition. Right. And at the end of the movie, you know, like he goes on to greener pastures. Yeah. Where, like he, they hire him away to coach. Um, I think a developmental league or whatever. Something yeah. Male baseball. Yeah. Um and. So yeah, I, I totally agree. He is like the red herring, like yeah. like Trojan he's, horse. He's there to bring men into this film who traditionally maybe not would not have seen this film. Right. And it's brilliant. It's brilliantly done. And I don't wanna I don't wanna take away from Gina because we're here to talk about her. But like the fact that the movie's able to pull that off, they're able to pull off the idea that it is this film that is ninety percent women in the cast, yep. and pepper it with men, so you may think that there's like some, but it's really not a film about that at all. So it's one of the greatest sports movies of all time. I absolutely agree, and, and I'm, I'm not a sports person, so like I'm like minimally a sports person. Yeah, you're um, more than I am. So. Um, and and to think of like Penny Marshall was able to wrangle Rosie O'Donnell, yeah, Madonna, yeah, uh, Madonna who like. Kills it. Like, she is good yes. in this movie. All the way May. <laughs> Hello. Oh, no one's I, called me that in years. <laughs> and I love... <laughs> I love that, like, there are a lot of different women who represent a lot of different things. Yeah. And there's, no, like... They're very playfully judging each other, but not, like... no. There's no takedown of, like, oh, that slut. Like, May. Yeah, like, yeah. And, like, Rosie O'Donnell's character. And then the woman who, like... Oh, the fucking scene where you think they've come to tell Gina Davis that her husband has died, but it's not her. It's the other the woman. The way that scene is played. Oh, yeah. God. It's it's 
you can, you end up caring about each and every single one of these women. And even the superficial things that you you think might be a little... There's Megan Cavanaugh plays uh, Marla Hooch in the film. And, like, that maybe is like the 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 meanest plot because she's yeah. uh, she's an amazing athlete who is not pretty and one of the big things about yeah. the league is that you know they they it's had all about to be, aesthetic you had yeah, to, yeah. Uh, John Lovitz's character who is so funny and he's so good at yeah. this he essentially sees her and she's amazing killing the game and actually she takes off a baseball cap and he's like we gotta go. Yeah. Um, she is the bitch that gets married in the movie. Yes, so absolutely. Happy ending to her. And it's it's just a, a really f- funny, very touching, very, you know, um, the, the main portion of the plot is between these two sisters yeah. who are both drafted into the league. Dottie and Kit. Dottie, yeah. yes. Um, Gina Davis plays Dottie. Lori Petty plays Kit. Um, Dottie's a catcher. Lori Petty, uh, Kit is a pitcher. And... Uh, Dottie is the more... She's the more naturally talented. Yes, absolutely. Though, side note, in the trivia, Lori Petty was a faster runner than Gina Davis and had to run slower um, during the scenes in which they were running after each other. Um, uh, But yeah, Dottie's the more talented athlete. And uh, I mean, the reason that Kid gets to go along is only because Dottie's like, I'll go if you take both of us. And so the movie's just about like the tension between these two girls and like, you know... Dottie doesn't want to fucking do this. Right. She's like, I've got a husband. I've got a life here. Kit is like scratching for more out of life. And she like wants to do this. And she's begging her, please, yeah. please, please, let's do this. Um, and so there's a lot of resentment there. Um, and and it's so funny because I, I watched it with my, my roommate, Andrea, who uh, hadn't seen the movie in years too. And she mentioned, she was like, you know, when I was younger, I thought Kit was such a brat. But, yeah. like, I think if you watch it as an older, you understand that sort of desperation of wanting oh, more. The, the and, yearning. And if you can think about seeing somebody who is more, who's more naturally gifted than you and more congratulated for yeah. it than you, you can see that resentment build. And it's handled so well. It's seated so well. Laurie Petty's giving a great performance. And you can tell when they're together there's several scenes where they're together there's one really heartbreaking scene where they're in a in the um changing room together yeah and gina davis like they feel like real sisters yeah. like she clearly cares about this person I mean, that shit yeah. is like the that's the origin story to a lot of villains yes absolutely <laughs> like absolutely. you know like i am just as good as you right. i can do it like whatever and it's 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 uh it's very tragic yeah and and when gina davis tries to you know um pump her up Things go awry. She gets traded to another team. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she threatens to quit, and uh, they switch her sister to another team instead. Yeah, and, um, I mean, the, the the climax of this movie is they are facing each other in the championship, and, um, I mean, they're, and they've been able to sell this league, right. and, and this play is happening, and you've seen Gina Davis' character make this play, um, and she has to decide whether she's going to do it or not. I mean, in the movies, you can read it many different ways. Like, did Dottie... Or, I mean, did... Um, what the, what kid, did, and did, kid. did Kit, you know, overpower her finally? Right. Did she make it? Or did Dottie let her have it? You right. Know? And you don't know. And you don't know. And you don't know, what, in general, what would have been better for the relationship either way. Yeah, too. and, and I, I mean, honestly, at the end, it's like, uh, it, 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 it matters. Right. But you're coming back next year, right? No. Uh, I want to have kids. We want to have kids. Dottie, you got plenty of time to have kids. You couldn't give this up. You'd miss this too much. Miss it? <laughs> Yeah, I miss putting on all this gear, catching a double header in 100 degree heat, pushing the bus through the mud, getting slammed into every other day by base runner. Think I'm gonna miss that? Yeah. 
I'll tell you what I'll miss. What? Well, I miss the girls. I miss you, Kit. Me? Yeah, how many sisters do you think I have? I love you, Kit. Really? Yeah. Just when I want you to stay, you're leaving. I would say the the my only negative part of the movie and not the whole the wraparound story starts when they're older and it's the the um opening of the yeah. that portion of the baseball hall of fame for the women. The women, yeah. Um which is and, real. Yeah, which is real. Absolutely. I've been to the baseball hall of fame actually. I only went into the gift shop because they're not sports. Yeah, cuz uh as I as I said at the time to Dan, um this gift shop reminds me of everyone I hated in high school, so I'm going to be outside. <laughs> right, right. Um but uh and uh yeah, but the the two weird choices I will say is in the end it feels a bit like they still didn't they didn't talk for years. And right. I think it's a little washed away when one of the kids sees her and they're like, Aunt Dottie. Right, right. So like you get they the idea make, that they, they become closer. They do make it seem yeah. that like it's been a millennium. But it, but it does yeah, it does feel like there's been this tension between them. Also, Penny Marshall made this very weird choice for both uh, Lori Petty and Gina Davis, where they would dub their older counterparts, yes. and I think that's really weird. I think it doesn't what, it doesn't it doesn't match perfectly now. Maybe it did at the time, but with but like also, HD settings and stuff, it's a little like. Wah, wah. Is Gina Davis in makeup? No, for the older person. No, it, it looks She's a lot like great her. Great fucking casting. It looks a lot like her. And if it, like if it weirds you out even more, one week before filming, which means most likely that woman was either already cast to play older Deborah Winger. Or they uh, cast someone else in that role to yeah. play older Gina Davis. Because I, as I was watching it, I was like, "Is this Gina Davis in old makeup?" Right. And no one like, and and they and they were like, "Only her. Everyone else just get someone else. Get yeah. an older person." Um, no, but it's what another a, actress. But what a sweet and when they're all singing a song together. Oh my god! Oh. No, the 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 ending of the movie destroys me when she sees. John, older John Lovitz. Yes. Um, who you mentioned on Lovitz earlier, apparently had a slightly larger role in the film and they were looking to cut for time and they were like, uh, which are his biggest laughs? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and so every joke he has, every line he has in the movie is a joke. Is, joke. Yeah, joke. it's a huge. And that's all in editing, baby. Right. It's all in editing. And I, I mean, I read that um, they they cut out a lot of Tom Hanks, Jim Davis, potential love yeah, mess. God, thank God, because that plays to what I was talking about earlier, right. where he's no longer like a yeah. Because she is married. Bill Pullman shows up for two scenes, and he's great, and he's great, and I believe it. And that was my sister had the world's big, between that and Casper had the world's biggest Bill Pullman boner. Like she <laughs> father figure, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, uh huh, uh huh, and she's only three years older than me. So <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't say enough about. I mean, this movie also came out at the right time. I think um, when we were young and impressionable, and just yeah. like. Oh, women. Uh, what's kind of tragic though is like, so it had the 25th anniversary like last year or something. Yeah. And a lot of, she did a lot of interviews with people and she's like, the, people keep asking her like, oh, did it change women in sport movies and whatever? And she was like, nah. No. Like, yeah. she's like, at the time, a lot of people thought like, this was it. Like, and then she's like, when we did Thelma and Louise, people thought this is it. Like, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, all, and, all the stuff that she's done post that with the research and whatnot has occurred after. Right. And so she, yeah. She's had these like really breakthrough, groundbreaking, yeah. iconic movies that you would think would suggest like a turning point for the Hollywood industry, but then it's like, nope. Yeah. They were like, 
why make another like sporty movie with I mean and it's fucking insane like yeah. the star wattage of this movie of, of these women like I even read that Rosie O'Donnell was doing stand up for like the crowds during like yeah. sets and I, what a fucking star you know yeah. like it's insane that like not even this not Thelma Louise could like change things over oh my god uh anyway um yes do you want to talk about some other real quick as I mentioned Beetlejuice and, yes. and Thelma Louise um I um I want to mention Quick Change starring. I, um, I love Quick Change. Thank you. Because I and I wrote down I am Bill Murray living yeah. in New York City. Yeah. Bill Murray who just wants to fucking leave New York. He hates yes. it so much. And I was like, I relate. <laughs> um. Also, and I know you ended up watching it. The Fly. The Fly. She's amazing in The Fly. Ooh. And when I left my apartment tonight, Dan was like, Gina Davis's best movie is The Fly. And I was like, quiet, quiet, you. I um, was very nervous to watch it. Yeah. Um, There's and, really, one, like, one super gross scene. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. Grundle yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and, but it's really fucking good. Yeah. It's re- I mean, Jeff Goldblum, at the height of his powers, yeah. um, looking, looking sexy oh. as hell. Yeah. Um, and she looks great, and, and she's really good into it. The movie is also very tight. Yeah. Um, they're, I mean, it's very disgusting and gross, but it's so, like, well executed. Like, they're going to give it to you just, like, right at the exact moment. It's yeah. not, like, it's not hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that ending is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This like there, there gross, was grotesque. There was a grosser ending plan. So, I hey. know. I read all about yeah, the yeah. grossing like and the, the birth and the maggot and, and the, the and, uh, and they cut out a bunch of gross things also that yeah, I read yeah. and I was like, thank you, Lord. Yeah, David Cronenberg did a really good job at like deciding what was best because he is a master of body horror and like deciding what was best for us to be- see and whatnot. He's since gone on to make an opera version of The Fly. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, I don't know about that. Okay. Um, should we talk a little bit about Thumb and Louise? I don't want to like leave that out. Yeah. No, we should talk about Thumb and Louise. I mean, Sorry. I had never seen the movie before, and you mentioned it, and yeah. I just uh, want to say, like, I... She's doing an accent here, too. Yes. Southern accent. I don't I don't actually mind it. And I don't mind it at all. And I... I felt a very type of way with... Uh, first of all, <laughs> Brad Pitt in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for him. Good for her. Good for the director who got them fucking and put it on camera. Um, it's very sexy. Um, I, the, I, I had heard about this ending and I was just like, the emotions of this movie are so aggressive and, um, I don't know, this is, this is a classic iconic movie for a fucking reason. Yeah. Um, and these two women are strong and badass and complicated. And one of the things, one of the things I love, and this is just indicative of, of a scene early on in the film, they, they kill a man. Yeah. Well, uh, technically... Uh, Susan Sarandon kills a man. Yes, um, and because because he uh, was raping Thelma, who right. was played by Gina Davis. Right, um, and so it seems pretty justified Hello. in my book. Hello, um, but that's what causes all the problems. It's the inciting incident, as they say. And uh, but the scene that happens directly after when they're in a diner and they're like at each other's throats because this thing happened to me felt very real because it wasn't it wasn't too like. I think Hollywood would normally be like, oh, now these women have to comfort each other. They have to, yeah. to like, get together and, like... And no, it was literally, like, these are two human beings who just witnessed something really fucked up and now don't know how to process right. it. Right, and I think what's great is they don't, like, sugarcoat... Like, it's not like, I'm here for you, girl. You did the right, right thing. Right, It's messy, and it's like, if you would have just not been, like, flirting with that guy all night right. and what I told you, and she's like, fuck you, I wanted to do whatever and a vacation and blah, blah. Right. And it's messy, and it's, like real they're not judging each other and it's just like they're really getting through the emotions of like 
what the fuck just happened and yeah. what do we do now? Police, I'm getting mad. Okay, but where are we going? Oklahoma City. Jimmy's gonna wire me some money and then we're gonna Jimmy? see where we're going. You talked to him? Did you tell him? What'd he say? Is he mad? No, I didn't tell him and that's what we gotta get straight now. Daryl's been calling mad as a horn and making all kinds of noise and when you call him, you gotta not tell him anything about this. You gotta just make sure everything sounds real normal. And seeing Gina Davis um, start fucking robbing places is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great movie. I do enjoy that movie yeah. a lot. I just wanted to mention that. Um, it's a well-rounded character. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Just as a recap, before we move into our fast forward, what was your bottom pick and what was your top pick, Louie? Um, my bottom pick was Cutthroat Island and um, my top pick was the League of, A League of Their Own. Excellent. And just to recap, my bottom pick was Transylvania 65000, and my top pick was also a league of their own. So let's move into our fast, fast forward. forward. As we mentioned before, Gina Davis did the first season of The Exorcist, which was last year. Yeah. And she uh, played a character who I won't say too much because it's kind of a reveal on the show, but she'll be very familiar to people who have seen Ooh. the film. Wink, wink. Oh my god. Uh, and she's very good in it. Um, she was in Marjorie Prime. Marjorie Prime, which came out this past year, which was not an amazing film, but like her performance is good. Really solid. I like the movie enough. I think it's very yeah. interesting. Like there's interesting things happening. It's like it's a play. It's very stagey. That's the problem with it. It's not it, like as much as it wants to be cinematic, it's still very stagey. Right. But she does give like there are some heartbreaking scenes in yeah. there and she's very good at it. So Yeah. I don't know that she's like terribly interested in doing a lot of like um you know, I mean she's obviously she's in her right. 60s. Right. Um not that there's like a million roles for her anyway. Um, but I, I don't think she's, she's certainly not like making whatever. If she's yeah. going to make something, it's because she believes in it and she's passionate about it. Um, I think she's very passionate about her work that she does with, you know, her institution and the, um, the film festival. Uh, yes. And the, I, the one thing I did want to talk about, um, is I think, and we, I brought it up just a little bit earlier. Um, she also has another film, by the way, that hasn't come out yet called Don't Talk to Irene. I haven't heard much about it. It premiered at oh, right. Toronto last year. Not- I want to say this. I feel like the unfortunate thing about Gina Davis is she came to rise in stardom during a time in which Hollywood, and for the most part still hasn't really dealt with this, but is trying, because of the works of her, um, reconcile their idea that suddenly a woman can become quote unquote too old. And as yeah. I mentioned at the beginning, she's in her 60s. She does not look like she's in her 60s. But she, from 1996 to 99, she went from an action star boom to like doing TV and being a mom in mom. films. Yep. And it was almost like Hollywood was like, you're done. And that's really unfortunate because she is so talented and so quirky and so interesting. She did this film in 2009. It was an Australian film called Accidents Happen. Um, God. Were you, were you not a fan? I was not a fan. Uh, but I thought her performance... She was okay. Yeah. ...was good. Um, I think the movie's a little weak in certain areas, especially since like it was shot in Australia and it's set in America and nobody else can pull off an American accent. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. Where are you? No one... Um, which was really shocking to me. But I thought her performance was really great. She's sort of a tough-talking mom. She was perhaps not the most properly cast, because I feel like right. they needed somebody a little harder edge that didn't perhaps she, look as beautiful as she does. It's a complicated role, and yeah. I think and I think she does a good job with it. I just thought that overall, I was like, what kind of emo nonsense yeah. am I watching? The, the writing was a little ridiculous. But, uh, but the, that's the sort of, like, if you're, I feel like, 
2009 was more appropriate time to start casting her as the, the mother of teenagers than 1999. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's crazy because no one looks like her. No. When you think of, like, a lot of Hollywood, there's, like, a, a mold of, like, yeah. you know, what is beautiful, what is castable, what is bankable. And um, no one looks like Gina Davis. Yeah. I mean, certainly she's tall and gorgeous, but her cheekbones, her hair. I was talking about that with somebody else, too. I think she's also slightly intimidating to men because I yeah. think she has some, and we've mentioned many times that she's gorgeous, but I think she has some very masculine features. She yeah. has, like you mentioned, the cheekbones. She has a very strong jaw. Her she's voice. Very, yeah, her, her voice. Her voice is so, like, strong. But I love these things about her. Yeah, and I will say, you know, I believe her when she's playing these mom characters because she's so strong. Right. And I can feel that she's very protective. And I think the reason why we both like her in A League of Their Own is, like, she's surrounded by all these other women and I think just she has really good chemistry with yeah. other strong females and it is rare that we see a man kind of like elevate to that level yeah um, and that's kind of why with these other movies I'm like I don't buy it even right. like I like Quick Change a lot and and is there like any chemistry there right eh. and, maybe, and maybe that's also part of the problem in Cutthroat Island is because there's something about Gina Davis that there, there's a maturity level that yeah. she can't sink down to say those lines yeah and like I do think like that's an obstacle for her now that I want her to because I think that she's this sort of refined human being yeah um, but yeah I love her to pieces I'm glad yeah, I'm glad we're able to, to get to her uh as I mentioned before, Don't Talk to Irene comes out sometime this year. Somebody picked it up, I'm sure. Right. Um, if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, you saw her on Grey's Anatomy, and she was really good in that was also. She? I, yeah. At she, that point, I was not watching I was, I was watching it, and uh, yeah, she, her character is, uh, has a, a long-ish stint on it, uh, but she was very good. And uh, and again, it was interesting to see here, she was surrounded by women, yeah, directed by women, you know, and it wasn't like a dumb love thing yeah. or a mom thing. It was like a badass professional woman. Um, I, and once again, like genuinely, if you've not watched the first season of The Exorcist, I I was one of those people that was like, oh, Exorcist TV show, stupid, do not want. Um, no, just great in it. And it's a really effective, very creepy, dark, like scary. Is it like um, a serial thing? Like, so like the first season is like one thing and then the second season will be something else? Yes, kind of. It contains care. There's a continuing character. I... I feel bad saying this. It, to me, it really feels like it's not coming back for a third season, unfortunately. Um, but it is like there's carryover characters and there's slight carryover plot, like an overarching plot. Gotcha. But the main situation, the main exorcism situation is different. different. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, is there anything else we need to no, mention about I th- Gina? I think that's a really great uh, overview. Uh, she's really fantastic. We We've mentioned her. her films are available everywhere like yeah we, I, I watched I, a lot of them on Amazon yeah I was there. I did not have an issue finding many of these films um I uh yeah there's there's only one on Netflix by the way and let me tell you don't watch it which it, one is it me him her directed by yeah, Max uh, fucking Landis yeah, I know I avoid, watched I avoid, watched that avoid. and I was like okay I was gonna love this yeah it was bad it was real she's bad. not into that a lot though she? she's literally three scenes yeah, yeah so and she's but she's married to Scott Bakulin so Dr. Sam Beckett um, but yeah so I guess that wraps up this discussion and we'll be back in two weeks with another uh, subject right but until then if you want to reach us you can contact us on Twitter at at the mixed reviews we're on Facebook at the mixed reviews you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com and then you can listen to us everywhere everywhere we are on iTunes we are on Spotify now mm-hmm. we are on Stitcher Radio we're on uh, iHeart Radio app and uh, I'm outside your window yeah. yelling at you 
Yes, you are. Please stop. Um, Google Music, and uh, pretty much like we're we're everywhere now. It's just pretty crazy. The glow up 2018. Yeah, exactly. This is our 21st episode. This is our 21st episode. Our podcast can officially drink, which is funny because we've been drinking since the first one. Um, but uh, the and also uh, real quick, if you listen to us on iTunes and I believe on Stitcher as well, maybe Spotify. I'm not sure. You can rate and review us. Give us a five-star rating. Let us know what you really think about us. And by that, I mean a five-star rating. Right. There's no crying in baseball, but we will cry if you give us bad reviews. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Until next week, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.